0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go. John chapter 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, now think about that. Here Jesus is, he's in the upper room, this is the Last Supper uh, scenario and an event, and it's right at the end now. And the Bible says he's about to pray, and it says he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Now, what does that tell us? Now, of course, somebody said, well, because heaven's up. Okay, but listen, if the earth is a globe, <laughs> which and it's spinning, and it's orbiting around the sun every year, well, which side of the globe are you on exactly at that time? And... How can heaven be up for every person on every side of the globe? Well, no, Jesus is showing us here, don't worry about all that. Heaven from earth is up, and hell from earth is down. Excuse me, so hell, according to the word of God, is down in the heart of the earth. There are many scriptures I could show you on this, but it's documented, very well documented in the Bible. But heaven, we just need to know, is up. God is up from us. Wherever we are on the earth, however the earth is spinning and orbiting, heaven is up. And Jesus himself, who knows the Father and knows heaven better than any human being, it says he lifted his eyes to heaven. Lifted, that's up. His eyes to heaven and said. Now let's listen to what he said because this is the most important thing. Father, the hour has come. Oh, it's time. I mean, 33 years before he was born as a baby, he, for the first time in all of eternity, the Son of God became a human being, a created one, so to speak. The creator became a created being, in other words, a human being. And now 33 years later, he said, the hour has come. This is it. Father, this is it. Boy, I tell you, when, when you're toward the end, I've seen this happen with people when they get toward death. Oh, they want to they be with those who are the closest. They want to, they want somebody with them. They don't like to be alone. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Oh, see the, the mutual respect, love, and honor. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. In other words, he's talking about himself in the third person, that I, that Jesus may give eternal life to as many as God has given him. In other words, he's saying, you've given me some people. Well, his disciples, certainly. You've given me some followers. And you've given me the authority to give, to provide eternal life to all whom you've given me. Well, we'll see that he's going to pray, not only for those who are with him now, but for those who will eventually believe the word that goes on and on and on, and eventually got to us. And we're reading this even today, some 2,000 years later. So he says in verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I love verse 4 because this is like a life mission statement. Listen to it. Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. That's what I want to be able to say honestly to God at the end of my life. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do, which you have given me to do. Isn't that beautiful? Let's all glorify him on this earth, and let's all finish the work that he's given each of us to do. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. See, in other words, he's verifying here, he didn't start as a baby in Bethlehem. Oh, no. Before the world existed, I was with you for eternity past, if we could say it like that. God has always existed. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed. Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In other words, Jesus is praying that even though I need to go through this death, horrible death, and I'm praying that you'll raise me from the dead and Lord, that I'll ascend back with you and I'll be restored to the glory with you that I've always had with you for eternity past. Verse six, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of this, out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. Listen to that. I have given to them. Now let's just think about these 11 disciples because Judas has already gone astray. He says, for you have given, excuse me, for I have given to them the words which you have given me. I think that's overlooked. You gave me words to give to them. I gave them those words and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you and that, excuse me, and they have believed that you sent me. Folks, this is so important. God." sends words. How does God communicate with us? With words. And I know he does other things, visions and dreams and pictures and such. But let me tell you, the most powerful way that God communicates with us is with words. Think about the Bible. It's his word. His words, see? And so God gave Jesus words to speak. Even these words that he spoke to them, Guess what? Here we are rehearsing these, reading these today, because God sent these words to us that we might hear them. Thank God for his words. His words give us life. His words correct us. His words direct us. His words encourage us. His words give us the right perspective and eliminate faulty faulty perspectives, deceptions, lies, etc. Verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am glorified in them because they believe, because they share about me, because they will preach about me. I am glorified in them. Verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep through your name those whom you have given me. He's praying for them. Keep through your name those whom you have given me. Oh, we need to pray for people that the Lord has given us, disciples of ours, people who are, if you're, you know, have anybody that the Lord has given you charge over, your own family, your spouse, your children, etc. anybody the Lord brings into your sphere of influence. We need to pray for like Jesus prayed. And he said, I have come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are, that they may be one as we are. He goes on to say, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. Listen to this. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. That was Judas, of course. Verse 13, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. See, he wants us, his disciples, to be full of joy that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. Notice again, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Oh, may that be so for all of us. That the Lord's not just going to take us out of the world until, you know, the end of our life or when he comes back. However, he said, I'm not praying that you just get them out of the world. Like I'm going to ascend to you because my assignment's finished, but I'm praying that you keep them from the evil one. Oh, when I come back to you, Father, when I'm seated at your right hand and they're here without me. I'm praying that you will keep them from the evil one. Don't let Satan deceive them. Don't let Satan draw them back away from me. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, here it is. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to set apart, separate apart. And he's saying, separate them and sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Think about that. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, here is verse 20. Listen, I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I do not pray for these. Let me just say it like this. I do not pray for these 11 disciples or apostles alone, but also, also for those who will believe in me through their word. So think about this. One of those apostles is the Apostle John, who wrote this particular book or gospel. And here we are today listening to, to Jesus speak through the apostle John to us. And so Jesus said, I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their word. Folks, that's us. Jesus, the night before he died, prayed for you. Oh, yes, he did. He prayed for you. He prayed for you. Who will believe in me through their word. And here's what he prayed. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So arguing, criticizing, fighting, being selfish and such shows the world we're no different than they are. But when we're in love, when we have love, when we're in unity with one another, when we become one with one another and with the Lord, the world says, wow, look at these guys. Like they they sacrifice for each other. They bend over backwards. They serve each other. They don't cop attitudes with one another. And they know something's special. Something's different. And Jesus said that the world may believe that you, Father, sent me. Verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. It's hard to believe that God could love us as or as much as he loves Jesus. But Jesus is saying, oh, I want the world to know that you sent me, and I want the world to know that you love them as much as you love me. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Do you remember in the 14th chapter he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now he's praying to the Father, and he's saying, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, oh, may that include all of us, though, who, excuse me, they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, In other words, the glory that he'll have yet again in heaven, watch this, which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. He said, these that you've given me, they can't see what I came from. They can't see the glory that I came from. But I'm praying that they can be with me where I am, where I'm going to be with you, and that they can see the glory, the fabulous glory that I had by being with you in heaven. And folks, those of us who are saved and stay with the Lord, we're going to see this. Verse 25, oh, righteous father. Isn't that precious? Oh, righteous father. He's declaring right there. You always do the right thing. Oh, righteous father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. So here he is about to leave, you know, to die, to be raised from the dead, and some uh, forty or so days later, or fifty days after Passover, you know, the the or about forty days later, Jesus will ascend and be with the Father, and not be on earth anymore in normal for him as he's been. And yet he says that you love me and may be in them and I in them. In other words, I may be physically leaving to go sit at your right hand, but I want them to know the love that you have for them. And I want them to know that I'm going to be in them. And that's a mystery of how exactly we're in Christ when you get saved and he's in us. How can two buckets be within one another? Now, one can be in the other, but how can the other be in the first? See, it's a mystery of how this happens. But when you get born again, you are in Christ, and he is in you. Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Jesus said, uh, I pray this. I have declared them to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Isn't that precious? Folks, This salvation through the Lord Jesus is a precious salvation. And he may be separated from us right now, seated at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit's with us. But I tell you what, in our hearts, he's here. He's with us. And his love is in our hearts. And when you hear him speak these words, your heart begins to be warmed with his love. And you begin to realize the significance of it and the reality of it. And he wants us to realize that. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Praise God. Well, Father, thank you for your word today. Make these truths real to us, even the mysteries that our minds can't fully grasp. May we grasp it in the Spirit and have confidence in these things which are true in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.